0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Z, and welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant Based and Happy podcast. Here's what you can expect from listening to Jennifer Z Plant Based and Happy. My true passion is all about helping educate you, the listener, on food, fitness, and wellness. I educate through my own story and experiences on a multitude of topics, including inflammatory conditions, women's health, plant based nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness. It's designed to teach you how you can become your most powerful self every single day. From interviews with today's top health, fitness, wellness, and spiritual experts, this podcast is a fun and happy atmosphere. So sit back and enjoy some of the amazing interviews that I have with experts and people who have completely transformed their lives through plant-based nutrition, fitness, and wellness. And if you love this podcast and would love to see it grow with even more incredible episodes, you now have the opportunity to support the Jennifer Z podcast by visiting jenniferz.com forward slash podcast. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-Z-E-E dot com forward slash P O D C A S T. This helps me amp up the podcast. Finding more incredible guests while increasing the number of episodes being published. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. Today on the Jennifer Z Plant Based and Happy podcast, I have Olivia Kelly. Olivia began her lifelong expedition in healthcare by starting a fitness training business in her undergrad days at UCLA, where she earned her bachelor's degree in psychology. After many gigs teaching surfing in Maui and writing for the Rough Guides, her father informed her that she would have to go indoors to earn a living. A stint working in the first dot-com boom for an early internet service provider, got her thinking about how to harness social networks and mass communication to inspire healthier lifestyles. Her writing and communications background led her to a communications director and speechwriter role with a Los Angeles City Council member, whom she helped position for a subsequent role as US Congresswoman. It was her experience in the council deputy job that inspired Olivia to study health policy. After graduating from UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health in 2013 in the Department of Health Policy and Management, Olivia worked at UCLA's Center for Healthier Children, Families, and Communities, spearheading an impact investing project focused on improving population health throughout the life course an idea olivia first developed in one of her mph courses just wouldn't go away and a few iterations later is what has now become well start health olivia is so excited to share the innumerable benefits of a healthy lifestyle with others her favorite vegetable is eggplant yes a nightshade and we will talk about this in our chat she also loves spending time with her family running surfing skiing camping traveling and cleaning up cereal spills along with an infinity for latin american culture without further ado let's get this chat started i'm so excited to have olivia kelly on Hi, Olivia. Welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant Based and Happy podcast.
1: Thank you. It's exciting to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. This is awesome. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about social media because I feel like it's had a huge impact on healthy living and more specifically, plant-based, the plant-based movement. And it's, I think it's because people are becoming more aware of, you know, the root causes of certain diseases. And, you know, when you talk about disease reversal and, um, you know, just the science behind plant-based nutrition in general is getting out there. And I really feel that social media has helped catapult this into a whole new level. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what you think or the changes that you've seen let's say in the last decade surrounding the social media movement and the movement with you know just health and wellness in general
1: sure yeah i mean i for i think definitely like social media and i mean just the internet itself but definitely social media has i think democratized a lot of information about, uh, healthy living and plant-based nutrition and all of that. I think the flip side of that, of course, is that there's a lot of confusion out there because, you know, obviously everybody uses social media for their platform, for whatever Mm -hmm. their, you know, lifestyle, uh, of choice may be. So I think there's also a lot of confusion out there, but I, I, I do think, you know, um, people are obviously have access to a lot more information and then, of course, when celebrities you know, decide to go plant-based, it's, it, you know, there's an uptick in interest because people are able to see from their social, like, oh, well, so-and-so is now embracing a plant-based diet. So I think people are inspired by that. I mean, whether that's the right or wrong reason, I think it certainly raises awareness and gives, let's say, some more cachet to the lifestyle, even though, of course, I don't think it... I think it's an enduring, like, long-term... Science based, evidence based solution that doesn't need cachet, but I think unfortunately, the way the world works today, that always gives things an extra boost.
0: Right. And do you think that there's, uh, I mean, you were talking a little bit about there's, it's almost overwhelming the amount of information that's out there. Um, I have certain trusted sources, right? So there's like my go to, um, like nutritionfacts.org and stuff like that. Do sure. you feel? Do you feel like there's a lot of misinformation as well out there, and that could be a little bit dangerous too?
1: I do. In general, yes. I think there's a lot of misinformation, and I think you know, of course, the media like they want to sell, sell uh, whatever mm. uh, soap or whatever it is, so mm. they are going to write about things. So when there's a study that comes out that may actually have had a very very small um, effect um, demonstrated, or there may be, um, you know, a st- study that's actually funded by big pharma, but yeah. it, it's a study nonetheless. So then, uh, you know, people write about it, journalists write about it, and then people read it and they they take it as the gospel because it's in, you know, whatever an online media source. So I do think that that creates a lot of confusion and and. I think it can have unintended negative consequences a lot of times. Um, Like, you know, for example, recently I was on some, uh, this message board that I'm on where there's a lot of health healthcare professionals and people were saying something like, oh, uh, you know, eating too much fruit can do X, Y, Z. And I was like, Mm. (laughs) people (laughs) eating too much fruit is the least of our worries. I posted that because I was like, come on, people, let's get real here. Let's get anchored. Like, let's not focus on these little tiny nuances of what are high sugar fruits. Let's get people to be eating you know, more fruits instead of drinking sodas all day.
0: Yeah. So. I, I, well, and I have to agree with you with that. I mean, it's so crazy. Some of the things like, what, I mean, I, I understand that some people are uh, are new to you know, plant-based nutrition, for example, and they'll say like, how, well, the fruit thing comes up, right? Well, how much fruit do you eat? How many carbs do you eat? And I'm like, do I look like I'm gaining weight? And there's a difference too: simple carbs, complex, car- complex carbs, and simple sugars and stuff like that. So I think a little bit of common sense needs to be injected into something, a conversation like that, because it can get a little bit insane. Um. Yep. Exactly. And I I do love your point about where are these scientific studies coming from? Who's funding them? Because when I was in nutrition school, that was one of the big things to investigate. Right. So when you're reading a study, you want to find out who's actually funding the study. Because if it's a study that's debunking, you know, a certain type of vegetable, for instance, like don't eat beans because of this, or or don't eat uh, nightshades because of this, and then it's funded by like the meat and dairy industry or something, right? Like you want to investigate a little further. Um, So, so yeah, I love that point. So let's talk a little bit about Start Health and how that came to life.
1: Uh, So I, um, yeah, I was in graduate school for, I was getting my master's in public health and health policy and management at UCLA. And I've had this real interest in things like behavioral economics and um, kind of coupled with social determinants of health. And, um, so like, how do you get people to engage in healthier behaviors and what makes them tick? And that was always a big interest of mine. Uh, so in one of my classes, I started developing this idea for like a pre-primary care sort of, um, model where people would actually, you know, do behaviors to prevent disease, whether it was primary, secondary, or even tertiary. So not just, um, you know, not just preventing something before it happened, but actually hopefully reversing or dialing back disease as well. Um, if they already were living with disease. Right. Um, so um so that was kind of the genesis of it. And initially the idea was something like more brick and mortar. So for example, like a preventive clinic at CVS, which I think CVS is actually now starting to do something like that, which is pretty crazy. Because uh, this was, you know, five years ago that we started thinking about this idea, um, but then we realized anything brick and mortar was kind of a non-starter, and people wanted, especially now, you know, want things to come to them and easy those, access. You know, with the rise of, te- of course, easy access with the rise of telemedicine and the rise of, of everything being on demand. You know, the healthcare is going the same way. So, so that was kind of the first iteration, and then I ended up um, think, you know, thinking through like, what would this. Preventive uh, pre-primary care model look like, and then I met uh, my first co-founder, Dr. Lindsay Macalvina, who um, did her residency at Loma Linda. She's a preventive medicine physician, uh, still is. She's not; she's no longer with the company, but uh, she's still a supporter. Um, and so she was um, teaching the CHIP program and uh, to her patients, and she was having great success, you know, with her with her private practice, having people come in and. Reverse diabetes, heart disease—you know, all of, all of these major conditions that people are now living with—and and so we got together and said, "How can we scale this? How can we bring technology uh, into the this mix to make this much more accessible to people and make it like a, a more uh, streamlined, modern experience?" And so that's where it all started, and that was three and a half years ago.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. So we also have similar beliefs when it comes to healthy living and that being a balanced good, uh, sorry, a balance of good nutrition, but also fitness and mindfulness. And I know that, you know, you talk about some other elements that come into play too. So can we talk a little bit about what these elements are and, um, and how they contribute to the Well Start Health program and how, that leads to optimal health? Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, so really we um, use all of the principles of lifestyle medicine, which I don't know if you are familiar with this, but um, it's now a board certified subspecialty of primary care as of two years ago, Wow. Uh, lifestyle medicine is, so, yep. which is really, really exciting. Um, and so the major pillars of lifestyle medicine are nutrition, physical activity, Mm-hmm. stress management sleep social support and smoking cessation so those are the big ones and then alcohol yeah. uh, you know moderation as well mm-hmm. so we don't really focus as much on the smoking and the alcohol piece because that's just i mean we're hoping that people will quit smoking and then come to us to do the rest cuz that's the number one thing if you're smoking let's quit smoking then let's right. start doing these other things yeah. um, but all of the other and the uh, same with um, alcohol moderation although we have had people go through our program who have reduce their drinking or quit drinking as a result of our program, but that's not our area of expertise as much. But so all of the other elements though, so nutrition, um, you know, we, we move people along the continuum toward eating uh, more whole food, plant-based nutrition. Not everyone's ready to go, you know, a hundred percent in day one, if they've been eating a lot of meat, you know, it's a, it's really like a a shift. And we have this saying that's uh, the saying is results dictate sufficiency. So Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: people uh, are saying, well, I don't want to, you know, give up my cheeseburgers. We say, well, okay, if you're happy with the way things are going right now, then then there's no need to change anything. But if you want to change things, we we know what works. Yeah. we know what the evidence shows. We know what the anecdotes show, and so we can show you how to do that. But you have to be willing to to try some new things and make a shift. So that's the nutrition piece, and then physical activity is very much um, coupled with that. I mean. Like Howard, our chief uh, of behavioral science, Howard Jacobson, has this great uh, analogy. Like you don't you don't fill your car up with gas and then go driving around just to empty it out again. So it's the same thing with like you don't go hit the gym just so you can burn calories, so then you can go and eat a bunch of you know high calorie dense, not good for you foods again. Like you move around yeah. because it's what we do as humans.
0: Well, and how, and how do you communicate? Because I, I mean, I've heard from people, well, I only work out so that I can eat this type of food. How do you communicate to somebody that, you know, that's backwards? Like <laughs> it doesn't make sense what you're saying.
1: Right. Well, that's one of the ways, I mean, that analogy, but a lot of other things too. I mean, we what we do is we get people, cause we're not dealing with people who are already fitness buffs. You know, most right. of our participants are people who maybe haven't really even taken a, A two-mile walk in ages or ever, you know. So we're we're trying to get people to embrace discomfort a little bit and know that like that's actually very gratifying. You know, apart from the fact that it's good for your health, Uh, when you set yourself up for a challenge and then you achieve that, you, you get you get a lot out of that intrinsically. And we lose that as a society because everything comes right to us and it's you know, when we have this culture of convenience and it's actually killing us.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's, some of the things are crazy because you'll see what is supposed to be healthy. And then you actually look at the ingredients. That's the one thing that I teach a lot of my clients first and foremost is learn how to read a label because just because it says healthy or low fat or, or low sodium or whatever the case is, take a look at what's actually in what you're eating and i love that you talk about fu- food as you know and you talk about fuel as well because when i made this change i it was a lifestyle change which is a lot like what we're talking about it's you know moving more eating more plants and stuff like that but it was more of a lifestyle over so when people say oh what kind of special diet are you on it kind of drives me a little bit nuts because it's like well it's not really a diet it's a lifestyle change Right. I, 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 made, I mean, I got diagnosed with endometriosis. So for me, it was rather than taking synthetic hormones and pain meds and all of that stuff, I decided to start and set the bar low. And I said, I'm just going to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. But the word drove me nuts. So I was like, well, I live a plant-based lifestyle. And I did change my workouts. And I feel like too, what happens is when, when you change what you're eating, you're also going to, by default, change your activity level. You'll Mm -hmm. have more energy, so you'll move more. Um, So, I mean, how important do you think it is to understand that you need to make lifestyle changes over just trying another diet on for size or saying like, well, I'm just going to try this diet this week or this diet. Like, how important is it to have that all encompassing, all of those elements?
1: I think it's, I think it's essential for people who want to make lasting changes in their health and in their lives. I mean, yeah. it's definitely, there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix, whether it's physical activity, whether it's uh, what you're eating, whether it's anything else. I mean, you have to commit to you know, a long-term habits and habit change. And I think that's one thing that we're really, really focused on is first giving people the information about lifestyle medicine and just to kind of Uh, Back up a little bit. So I I had mentioned the physical activity and the nutrition, but there's also stress management, which we actually call stress proofing because you're not always going to be able to reduce your stress, but you can sometimes, the way you can actually do that is by just being more, you know, tough and resilient against stress because stress is going to come your way, but it's how you deal with it. So there's a lot of that. And then there's the community piece, which is we have online group visits and so forth. And we have a whole community of people. Um, so the, all those things um, and then sleep. So we we focus on all of those things. So I think all of those things are so, um, you know, integrated. I mean, if you don't sleep well, for example, then you're not gonna have the energy to be physically active and you're gonna make poor food choices because you're yeah. gonna have decision fatigue and you're gonna be, you know, just not able to to think clearly and make good decisions. I mean, it's all, you know, wrapped up together. That's not to say that you should make cha- changes across the board all at once. I mean, you have to take small steps. If you if you set yourself you set yourself up for failure, if you say, I'm gonna just completely do a 180 and all of my habits tomorrow.
0: Oh, Um, I totally agree with that. And I love that you incorporate the support aspect because I think, I mean, so when I made the changes, I did it by myself. I did it overnight, which I never advised anyone. Uh, but for me, I was just so petrified of having another flare-up and ending up in the hospital. And I was fairly healthy to begin with. I was working out every day. I was, you know, meditating—not as much as I should have. But I do think, you know, the stress aspect of having this condition. And when I look back now on what I was eating, I wasn't eating healthy. I thought that I was, but. You know, it was it was ridiculous. So um, when it comes to support, though, you have someone who is trying to make these changes on their own. Uh, how important do you think it is to, I mean, not everyone in the family or who you live with, like your spouse or whoever, a roommate, let's say, I mean, how do you, uh, how important do you think that that support is? For that person, and how um, how does the support work?
1: Um, you mean the support in the program or yes. or family yes. support? Okay, so the support works. We have a cohort based program, so people start together. They yeah. have group visits with our coaches and dietitians. So online synchronous video group visits together. They have an online discussion group where they communicate. It's kind of like a Facebook group, but it's proprietary to our platform. It's a private group. Mm -hmm. um, they communicate there. So they get to know each other, they're in it together and they can support each other. Um, and then sometimes if new folks come in or, you know, the group gets bigger after they finish our 12 week program and go on to our continued support program, they're still, they're all in it together. Everyone's trying to do, uh, you know, essentially the same thing, which is make positive changes in their health and in their lives. And, you know, take small steps to do that, and and we teach them a lot of behavior change principles and tools that they can use to adopt and sustain new habits. So, um, it, it, people may not have, as you say, like support at home from their spouse or their yeah. roommate or whoever. They may not have coworkers who are supportive. They may be isolated, and maybe they work from home and they don't really have a community at all. Um, and so. With this online community that's all of the people who are going through a well start or who have graduated from it are there for each other and though it might not be as ideal as having your next door neighbor be that support system it's it is a support system that people can can lean on and not only lean on, but also feed into for others. I mean, that's the important thing is like, you know, in the tug of war, there's like always that person who's like, oh, I'm tugging, I'm tugging, but they're not really tugging that hard. And there's somebody who's about to go in the mud pit. So everybody has to pull their weight. And that's what we really try to talk to people about is you don't know who you're influencing and actually having a positive effect on. But if there is somebody that you are having, uh, you know, a positive effect on, so you need to be pulling your weight as well by Supporting others because they're getting more out of um, that support than you may even realize
0: yeah, and there's a little bit of a sense of um, accountability when it comes to that you know like I understand that it's online and and stuff like that, but there's I feel like everything's online now, so there's that aspect of you know you may go home and your family's eating a cheese and pepperoni pizza, but you still have that support and that community and you know, they're all sort of pulling for you. And that I I know for myself joining Facebook groups and stuff like that, um, it does play in the back of my mind a little bit that I do have these extra support, this extra support, which I think is, I think the support is, is key, especially because not everyone will be on board with your changes.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's totally true. And and it's people have these cathartic rants that they go on, you know, on the on the site, like on the group discussion, like, oh my gosh, my husband is, you know, trying to eat keto, and I keep telling him this is a bad idea, and we get into these, you know, we're butting heads on this, and so people, or you know, just other things, people like having. Uh, their family or friends challenge them and yeah. and not support them and and so it's a safe place for people to be able to talk about those types of challenges and then other people
0: you know who are get it
1: and are pulling for them and and that's essential.
0: Yeah, having someone get you and feel your pain is huge. Like that, that's huge over someone just saying like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. And it's like, no, you actually don't because you're not really going through exactly what I'm going through. And so, so yeah, that sense of community is amazing. Let's Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, because we all know how frustrating it can be when someone takes a sick day or a bunch of people take sick days, the flu goes around, all this stuff happens. And Everyone has to pull it together. They've got to work extra hard, pick up the slack. Um, What are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing with health issues in the workplace?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you know, half of Americans have a chronic disease, whether it's prediabetes, diabetes, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, an autoimmune condition, the list goes on and on, um, that are principally caused by lifestyle. So half of Americans have one of those. So in the workplace, you know, it basically though maybe people in the workplace tend to be on the uh, depending on the on the work setting maybe they're on that the healthier side of that equation, but they're not. I mean, they're usually a representative sample of of America, and so they're eating the standard American diet and they're getting the results that that comes with, and that means chronic disease. So, um, you know, not to mention. De- depression and mm. anxiety and all the other yeah. like the other psychological issues that people are de- dealing with which you know are at least partially lifestyle co- uh, caused as well yeah so i mean i think that ha- is definitely happening in the workplace i mean there's work more it, ca- it can cause workplace injury of course it causes absenteeism and presenteeism which is when people show up but aren't really you know focused um and so and then healthcare premiums go up every year, uh, by about eight to 10% for employers and they are cost shifting that they're shifting that cost to the employees because they can't afford to pay that every year for their employees. And then the employees can't afford it either because they're sometimes having to pay like, you know, extremely high co-pays or they're, you know, basically of the total premium, they end up paying 30% of it. And then the employer is paying with 70% of it. So Um, where maybe they used to pay only 10% of it. So it's really, people are hurting physically, mentally, financially from this healthcare crisis that we have. And that's how it manifests itself in the workplace.
0: Right. And then how about, um, so when it does come to lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition, what role do you see that playing in employee performance? Like how exactly is that playing out? Um and then I mean aside from the obvious fewer sick days, but how are you how are you seeing those changes um from companies that are implementing uh lifestyle medicine and also plant based nutrition and and that's right. Sort of well,
1: sex. it's it's early days, you know. I mean I, I don't yeah. think that many companies are doing it yet. And we're <clears throat> we're working with a couple of them, but um, you know, so I, I think in those cases, I mean people Kind of band together because they're going through it together. They're like adopting new lifestyles together. One uh, client that we have, it's a law firm, they have uh, these plant based potlucks that they do monthly. And that was, they started doing that way before, you know, they started doing that before we were even working with them. But they were open to the idea that, yes, we want to bring this to our employee population because we know they're going to get healthier. And we're, you know, we have an eye on what their claims costs are doing and all of that. and, And it's still, a little early to see because we've only been working with them for about a year now, and it takes a while for the claims costs to really change. But we definitely see, um, in terms of their biometrics, uh, you know, there's a lot of improvement in terms of weight loss, um, you know, reduced cholesterol and blood pressure, and so forth, and uh, reduced uh, A1C and all of those things. So we see that happening, and and of course, if people feel better, they're going to be better workers. I mean, aside from absenteeism and all of those things, uh, they're going to just be happier, healthier people with more energy. I mean, that afternoon slump that people experience yes. after eating a big unhealthy lunch, like that goes away when you're eating a whole food plant-based diet. And of course, not all of these people are going to be eating a hundred percent whole food plant-based. You know, they, maybe they started out just not even eating any fruits or vegetables or, or legumes ever. And then we start them off. Like, let's start with, Plant-based breakfast. If you can start eating plant-based breakfast right away, then there you go. That's a third of your meals right there, knocked out. Let's try that first, and then let's start, you know, adopting more plant-based meals. Um, so, but people, you know, you know how it is. I mean, people start to feel better. They don't. They don't even believe it until they don't even know they were feeling kind of crappy until they start feeling better.
0: <laughs> oh yes, no, exactly. I mean, people think it's so amazing how people accept feeling crappy as the norm. And then it's not until they make those small changes. And I mean, even more to what you were saying, like changing, let's say, or doing a meatless Monday, for example. And they're like, wow, you know, this, I'm actually not tired this afternoon. And I mean, I used to sleep eight hours every night and wake up feeling exhausted.
1: And I Mm -hmm. thought that was
0: normal. I thought that was completely normal. And I love how you talk about how, um, people are happier as well because we we always hear about toxicity in the workplace and i feel like a lot of that has to do with you know the high stress levels but also people just feeling miserable right so i mean it's it's hard to be toxic when you're happy i feel like too
1: right yeah and i think people just feel you know a, a more of a sense of well-being and fulfillment i mean maybe they're not you know i don't want people to think oh well, if I adopt a plant-based diet, I'm suddenly going to go from depressed to like ecstatic. I mean, of course it's a process and it's, you know, there's other things going on in people's lives that, you know, may be still very challenging that any kind of lifestyle change isn't going to totally, you know, completely mitigate, but it's going to help, you know? I mean, it's going to be, it's building a buffer, right? Against all of these challenges, external challenges that we face. And so I, I think, um, I think that really plays out in the workplace or, or anywhere else people might be, but for sure, if you have, you know, a critical mass of workers who are feeling better and are, are getting the nutrition that they need to function much better in their lives and, and in the workplace, you know, you're going to have good results. I mean, you're going to have co- cost savings and you're going to have um, just, more higher functioning people.
0: Right. And I feel like also, uh, you know, there's some sense of, like when I went plant based, there was some sense of the fog lifting and having more focus and clarity. And I feel like once you have a little more focus, you can address the other issues that are going on in your life a little better, as opposed to just being foggy and have this cloud over your head and just thinking, well, like everything sucks. So it's, mm-hmm. you can, you can pay more attention to the things that. Need to be paid to, um, and you know, with stuff like burnout, because um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have suffered from some burnout. Can you talk a little bit about how to recognize the signs and symptoms of that, um, whether you're in a full-on burnout or leading up to? Uh,
1: signs and symptoms of burnout. Well, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think everyone's experienced it. I mean, I think sometimes you know, things that maybe. You're used to feeling up for, you don't feel up for as much. Um, You know, you're just more tired, like you said, when you were sleeping eight hours, but still feeling exhausted when you woke up. I mean, that's being burnt out, right? Like you're just exhausted from not, your body's not getting the care that it needs. Um, And maybe you're not getting the, you know, the mental well being that you need from taking some time out from. Uh, mindfulness, or spending time in nature, or whatever it may be—it's different things to different people. But um, so I think all of those things—you um, know—just feeling like uh, your maybe your memory is not as good, or you're just kind of more forgetful, or you're getting more—you get more frustrated by things, and little things set you off. And I think all of these are signs of burnout, you know. And I think everybody's experienced it. And, but again, sadly, I think it's so much the norm now because we we all work way too hard and we don't take enough time to unplug and we don't um, necessarily get, we get swept up in what's go- like in social media and technology. And we kind of start letting it creep in and rule our lives. And then we're, we aren't actually taking control of our own priorities because it's like right before us, we're spending time doing things that if we really thought about it, we might not be spending time as much time doing. So it's like the rug is kind of swept out from under us sometimes. And so I think all of those things are signs of burnout and lead to more burnout.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree with you. Now for people who... um, So when you transition to the plant-based lifestyle you can get really caught up on all of the little details. You know, like some people are like, well, I don't eat beans because I don't like this or I don't eat nightshades because I don't, um, it causes inflammation or whatever the case is. And I know the eggplant is your favorite vegetable. Um, (laughs) And I I will say that I do eat nightshades. Um, Uh And I think that it's each individual, you know, to each their own. But uh, what, um, can we talk a little bit about nightshades? Since when I found out your favorite vegetable was egg, was like, <laughs> yep. oh my gosh, I love squash and I love this and I love potatoes. Anyway, uh, let's talk about that a little bit, whether they're good, they're bad or just okay. Um, because I think that there's a huge misconception around uh, whether people are like, well, should I eat them? Shouldn't I eat them? How, like, how do you avoid them when you're plant-based? Let's just talk a little bit about nightshades. Right.
1: Okay. Well, i I've, just, so you know, I'm not a dietitian. Um, yeah, but I, um, and I also, even though eggplant's my favorite vegetable, it's definitely not, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my most frequently consumed vegetables. Right. Um, and it's not because it's a nightshade. I just, you know, it's just not as readily available. It's, I don't think I do a great job cooking it myself. So I, <laughs> so I just, Either I don't die. have it that often. <laughs> um, it can be tricky to get it right. So um, so it's not an issue for me, you know, like maybe if I eat eggplant every day, maybe there'd be some issues or i would notice something. I mean, I think the most important thing is to pay attention to your body. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think potato, I know people who eat a lot of potatoes and they yes. just great. Yeah. Um, I like potatoes. I don't have them all the time, but not because I think there's anything wrong with them. I just, it's just, I, I like cruciferous vegetables a lot. I eat a lot of those. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, I eat, you know, broccoli and cauliflower and things like that every day, you know, bok choy, um, all of those vegetables. So, and I eat eggplant probably like every couple of weeks, but I do love it. And it's my favorite. Um, when it's prepared well, I think it's just delicious. Uh, but I don't think about it as, oh, a nightshade. I, I try not to get ca- caught up in that kind of minutiae and really just kind of pay attention to my body. And I, I listen to the signals. And if I noticed that I felt something was wrong or I didn't feel great when I eat something, I would... Probably make an adjustment. But um, I feel like, you know, sticking to plants, um, sticking to unprocessed foods is just really the way to go. And I think when people do caught, get caught up in minutiae, like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if it's better to have this raw or cooked or, yes. you know.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a you know, huge I think, one too. Yeah,
1: it is. There are so many. And I think that a lot of times people end up using that as a crutch because they're like, well, I'm confused. I don't know if I should do this or that. So I'm just not going to do anything. Um, And I think the main thing is to do, like just do what, you know, you, what you know is good for your body. Mm -hmm. If you like cooked better than raw, then for goodness sakes, have it cooked. If it's going to mean eating vegetables versus not, you know, I think common sense and just some simplicity is an important uh, ingredient to bring in to, to the approach, you know, and not get too caught up.
0: I agree with you because I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot, more often than not, people are always asking me about the small little details and I'm like, just keep it simple. And the beauty about plant-based nutrition is, you know, you're eating, you're eating nutrient dense food and that's what you want to get. And if you react to something or you feel a certain way after keep a running list you know this didn't go so well okay so write it down and then you'll know for next time or if you feel like inter- reintroducing it then reintroduce it but yeah i love i love how you said simplicity is best because i mean it is like don't make it too difficult
1: yeah exactly it can it can be so it can be easy to make things so complicated that mm-hmm. you're just kind of paralyzed right and then and then it ends up being just nobody's nobody wins then
0: yeah, no, and then I also think that that just creates stress, which we're trying to reduce. Exactly. A final question for you, Olivia. So, and I love to ask this question because it gives my guests a chance to reflect and sort of like think about things. And some come away, go away and come back and say, you know what, I really kind of wish I had changed my answer. But, um, <laughs> but for the most part, it gives people a chance to reflect on you know where they were before and how far they've come. And they go away with something to think about. So if you could go back and give some advice to younger Olivia about well-start health, what type of advice would you give to her? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think um, I would basically really focus on, I'd say focus on the big priorities and the long game of what you want to focus on. And when you have a startup, right, there's a zillion things going on. It's really easy to get caught up um, in the small stuff, almost like when we were talking about nightshades, but from like a business perspective, like all of these little things. And I think, um, you know, one thing that's really worked well um, for me that it's taken me a long time to figure out, which I would have told younger Olivia, so so she could cut all of that stuff out and take the shortcut is, you know take focus on those five things or four or five things that you want to accomplish every day that are really tied toward the bigger picture and the long game and just do those things and if there's something like that's 15th on your list just put it aside because if it's 15th on your list it can't be that important and there's no way you're going to get through 15 or 20 things a day so just do those most important things and if you can accomplish you know 3 to 5 Things a day that are going to advance your, your goals and move you forward or move your company forward. Like that's, that's success because yeah. that's what, how you're going to really move ahead and make, and get some traction and make progress.
0: Yeah. That's great. Avi- that's great advice for anyone who's, who's running a business or thinking about it. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Olivia. You're amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so, so happy that uh, you invited me.
0: Yes. The best way to spread the word about the amazing benefits of healthy living through plant-based food, fitness, and wellness is to share it with your friends and family. You can do this in person or through the various social media platforms out there. I'm so thankful for each and every like, share, and comment. And if you're looking for more food, fitness, and wellness inspos, please visit the jenniferz.com website. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and plant-based.